This week on Audio Nashville. The essential ingredient that needs to exist no matter how you do it is it has to have a compelling quality to it. And that could happen from just a guitar vocal or a piano vocal or a full band thing. Audio Nashville talks to producer, engineer Bill Warner. Bill has worked in the studio with some of Nashville's biggest names, artists such as Michael W. Smith, Trisha Yearwood, and Garth Brooks, just to name a few. I'm your host, Marie McDonald. NSAI's motto, It All Begins With a Song, is true. But shortly after a song is written, it's recorded. From the demo to the final mix, Nashville producer Bill Warner has logged many years shaping ideas into finished productions. Bill first worked at Reba McIntyre's Starstruck Publishing Company and eventually became a freelancer working at dozens of Nashville's best studios. He'd worked with some of Nashville's biggest artists and some of Nashville's marquee songwriters. Now the owner of Warner Works, Bill is also a musician and songwriter. This week, Bill talks about the recording process in Nashville in this two-part interview. Audio Nashville's Dave McDonald sat down with Bill at his studio. Hi, this is Dave with Audio Nashville, and we're here with Bill Warner. Um, Bill, tell us a little bit about um, your experience since you've gotten to Nashville. You, you came here, you've been here about 15 years now? That's right. My wife, uh, Kirsty Manna, who's a writer in town, and I moved here. It was about uh, 17 years ago, and we had a writing deal together at a publishing company called... Uh, Circle of Friends Music. Uh, Michael White was there, who's a, a great writer in town, and an artist named Darren Norwood, who had a deal on MCA and some other folks. So that was our uh, that was our indoctrination into the Nashville School of Songwriting, and uh, did that for a couple of years. We were playing music in town, and then I started working in studios. So um, I had grown up in the. Uh, recording studio. My dad had one up in Ohio, so I saw right. a lot of great musicians up there recording. And uh, but I was more interested in being a player. So Is that where you cut your chops, though, in audio? Did you work as engineering at all in well, your dad's studio? really. I was yeah. more interested in being a player yeah. back then. But I was around it, so perhaps I picked up some stuff by osmosis. I don't right. know. <laughs> but So I got into it later on, you know, after I first moved here. Uh, got a job at uh, Starstruck when it first opened. Uh, Reba McIntyre's publishing company right. and a little demo studio at the time it was before they built the big building that exists now yeah. uh, on uh, 17th but um, I started working in the studios and uh, one thing I thought we could discuss here today uh, for your viewers is uh, demoing their songs and some different right. recording approaches absolutely okay so well let's start at the beginning of a demo you wrote, you've written this, this song that you mm-hmm. think is great Yep. So what's the next step? Well, uh, there are a couple of approaches. Uh, that window is open, by the way. So we're, we're getting some bird sounds in the studio, which <laughs> I think is a nice change of pace. <laughs> there we go. How many studios have you been in that, that, are, that have no windows? So right. here we have a, an open window. And spring is in the air. And spring is in the air, yeah. <laughs> so I just thought I'd mention it. Um, there's a couple of approaches for a demo, but I think... Um, the essential ingredient that needs to exist no matter how you do it is um, it has to have a compelling quality to it. And that could happen from just a guitar vocal or a piano vocal or a full band thing that's got seven players and almost sounds like a record. Uh, You have to have that intrinsic quality to it that makes people want to record the song or take the song to the next level uh, from a demo perspective. So, one thing I would stress is um, 
let's let's uh, start like a, on a lower level. If you're going to do the song yourself, for instance, you wouldn't want to fall prey to uh, actually hurting the chances of the song. If let's say you're a weak guitar player and you're muffing the chords or you're you're singing out of tune, right. uh, you're actually going to distract the listener, you know, uh, and it's it's going to get in the way of the demo. So even uh, that's that's a consideration. Even doing it on a on a small scale, just a guitar vocal or a piano vocal, you still want to have a level of quality that's going to enhance the song and and you know um, enhance your quality of enhance your chances of getting the song right. uh, you know taken for the, to the next level. So in that case, you might want to hire a singer or a player, and uh, you know that would make the demo more viable. Right. So uh, that's a basic level. What we do here in town um, is some of that. Uh, sometimes a work demo will get cut. Uh, there's plenty of situations where you'll do just a, a simple recording, maybe off a computer, uh, when the writers write the song, and that's played for a, a producer or an artist, and that might be enough right there to get the song cut because they can hear the quality of right. the song. They can get the feel of it. Would you say that's more for... People that have already established himself as as writers would be would have more of a chance of if you're Jeffrey Steele and you run yes. a, a cassette tape into the next yes. office and they say, get what the do you benefit of, of the doubt right absolutely in <laughs> uh, that kind of that, that situation uh, people are waiting to hear their songs they want the first yeah. crack at them right so in any uh, form of expression to use a copyright uh, speak uh, that that song is going to have a have some weight to it, you know. But if you're not Jeffrey Steele, you need something better, right? Right, you need something better. So again, that could be a simple guitar vocal or a piano vocal, but it has to be well done. And on the other uh, end of the spectrum, it may be a full demo. Uh, I'm involved in a lot of demo sessions in town here as an engineer um, and uh, have worked for some, you know, real successful writers and and I'm always uh, interested to see how they approach their sessions uh, for instance, Craig Wiseman, uh, everybody's familiar with his music and his uh, success. Uh, he sings his own demos. Right. Now, Craig is not a, um, a great vocalist by any means, but he's Craig Wiseman, and he puts a lot of feel into right. his performance, and he sells the song. And, and again, he gets the benefit of the doubt because he's Craig Wiseman. Right, and it, and you can go to Craig Wiseman's MySpace site mm-hmm. and and you know and and listen to some of the demos and hear what it started out like. Some of the songs you hear on the radio, so that, that's a really good thing for people to do is to kind of see where the pros are. So absolutely right. And, and you're right. His his fe- the feeling he puts into the songs. He sells it, it. It he sells that song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, other writers. Um, come to mind that, that maybe were artists at one point like uh, Casey Beathard had a couple of record deals uh, some people don't know that they just know him as the success of his writing so he sings his own demos obviously uh, Chris Wallen I just did a right. thing with him not long ago same kind of thing Chris is a really good singer and uh, gets the the feel of the song across um, you know he might hire a few people to sing his his uh, songs if they are not his type of thing but the bulk of his his uh, demos he does himself right he wrote Speed didn't he uh, yeah it was one yeah, of the songs he and, just and had that big Kenny Chesney, Kenny Chesney. Uh, thing 
It's like, oh, I can't think, I can't think <laughs> yeah, of it. I know. There's so many. They happen, they happen yeah. so frequently. And I've seen Chris at writer's nights play, and I mean, it just, yeah, I mean, you could understand why somebody would cut one of yeah, his songs. Yeah, he's got this big, rich, baritone voice, yeah. and, and he does a great job with it. So my, my take on it uh, for your viewers out there is just make sure that you get the best version of your song, no matter how you approach it. Just make sure it's a, it's a viable approach. Right. Um, and we'll, we'll also do very elaborate um, sessions sometimes on demos. People's uh, budget will go anywhere. A typical publishing budget for a song, uh, the low end might be five $600, and it's hard to bring a song in at that. Mm-hmm. A lot of time up clear up to some people's budgets are fifteen hundred a song, right? Um, and that's almost like a record, you know. For <laughs> yeah. for that kind of money, you can do quite a bit with it. You'll have seven musicians on the session. And uh, another thing I wanted to mention um, is the number of songs on a session. Uh, I've seen writers do three songs on a session, which is almost like a sort of like a low end record date. Uh, clear up to six on a session and um, if you do try to cut five or six five is kind of the standard uh, an important thing to remember too is to really uh, as a writer have a clear idea of what you want ahead of time do your pre-production um, make sure that you have a, a good sense of what the song needs because you'll have no time to experiment Right, it, it's very expensive to, to write songs in the studio. Right, right. <laughs> Unless you have a unlimited budget, you know, to, to do that kind of thing, you'd better have a, a pretty good idea of what you want. You know, we um, we always uh, write our charts ahead of time and do our pre-production and come into the session. I'll have keys picked and I'll have the tempos picked and the arrangements set. So there's there's not a whole lot of room for experimentation, but we do. Um, we do open ourselves up to suggestions because one thing that we have here in Nashville that uh, is a a wonderful resource is the talent of musicians. So uh, you'd be remiss not to use their expertise because they're producers and writers oftentimes themselves and uh, have great ideas. So uh, in spite of the fact that we come in with with a preconceived idea of what we want, we always open ourselves up to new possibilities because they might come up with something you didn't think of, and it's a wonderful approach for the song. Right. So uh, that's another aspect that I wanted to mention. Right. Well, you have some examples here for us to listen to. Yes, I have a a song that's a favorite of mine, uh, written by my wife, Kirsty Manna, and David Kent, uh, whom she's had some success success with as a writer. Uh, They wrote Austin together by Blake Shelton. And we had her on the show a couple weeks yes, ago. Yes, so. yes. Um, what I was going to play is a song of hers called The Dash. And uh, it's a wonderful song. And I was going to give an example of um, some different uh, versions of it that, uh, that happened. The very first version I do not have a copy of. That was actually like an up-tempo version uh, of the song. Um, I'd have to... I'd have to dig for that. Um, but I'll, I'll just start off by saying, originally the song was up-tempo. Okay. And the version that ended up, uh, the first version that ended up getting out there was uh, a slowed-down version. And uh, if I can find the song. And you're working in Pro Tools. 
Uh, yeah, this right now I'm looking at iTunes, but oh, okay. uh, yeah, we do our demos in Pro Tools, and I've worked in a lot of different uh, formats. Yes, this is the first version that we, uh, the second version that we demoed. The first uh, version, like I say, was an up-tempo thing, and uh, we got to thinking about it, and the song is, uh, is about the dash between the dates on your tombstone, so it's kind of a, a serious approach, and we thought, what if we did a, a more uh, uh, slowed-down version? So this is the version that we recorded that ended up uh, getting, getting cut. <coughs> talk about in a moment. Someday they're going to carve two dates beneath my name in stone. One for when I first arrived. One for when I say goodbye. I can't change when I got here or when I'm going home. But there's still a little time in the middle of stop it right there. So that is an example of a demo that's much more fully produced. It sounds pretty much like a record. And, and that vocalist sounds that's, pretty that's familiar. Right. <laughs> yes. That's Joe Nichols. And uh, that's another uh, thing worth mentioning that a lot of singers in, in town here get their start singing demos. Um, you know, I've so worked with Garth Brooks as a demo yeah. singer. Actually, he was working on his first uh, record when right. I worked with him. Yeah. And Patricia Yearwood and... and uh, Gretchen Wilson and Buddy Jewell and Joe Nichols was here singing that, you know. Right. So that uh, that, exa that example shows you what it might sound like to do a more fully produced version. That's seven players on there, background vocals. Right. Uh, that's pretty much the full uh, treatment. Okay. And so uh, that song there was getting a lot of buzz around town. This was like uh, 2003, so five, five years ago. And uh, a lot of attention on the song went on hold by several different artists, you know, didn't get cut. Right. But finally, um, Sony came along and uh, wanted to put one of the single it. So they had an artist named Colt Prather at the time, and uh, they ended up cutting the, uh, the dash on Colt Prather. And as you hear, uh, this version sounds an awful lot like our demo. They slowed it down a little bit, but it has a lot of the same ideas to it.
similar to the demo we cut. Right. And uh, that happens a lot. Um, I was going to ask you that because uh, I've noticed listening to, we were, we were talking about Craig Wiseman mm-hmm. earlier, uh, very, you know, if you listen to Live Like You Were Dying's mm-hmm. demo and right. you go back and listen to the record, very, very close. Um, right. Does that say that uh, Nashville producers don't have a lot of imagination? Or <laughs> no, not. I mean, I suppose you could make an argument for that, but I think uh, I just think what happens is people uh, get what's called demo love, right? And they become really familiar with the demo, and they like the arrangement ideas and the feel of it, and they just feel that that's probably going to present the song in the best possible light. So um, that. Uh, I guess they just feel it can't be uh, improved upon, so they just go with that demo approach. Tune in next week for the conclusion of our interview with Bill Warner. For more information about the show or to listen to previous shows, visit our website, audionashville.com, or email us at info at audionashville.com. Stop by and leave questions or comments for us or our guests. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.